Welcome to another edition of Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. My name is Dean Millard, and I apologize if I have to hit the cough button a bunch of times today. I am uh, battling a bit of a dry cough today, unfortunately, so I apologize uh, if I do end up uh, not getting to the cough button quick enough. But welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here today. Uh, I am coming to you live uh, from the marsh just outside of Edmonton and a lot of excitement in this town for one player in particular that we will talk about a little bit later today and that is Dylan Holloway. Hattrick the other night and uh, tonight when the Oilers take on the Canucks, Dylan Holloway will skate on a line with Connor McDavid and Zach Hyman. Uh, you know, I listen, I still I'm not, I'm still a little bit worried about Dylan Holloway's full-time season, but you can't argue with what he's doing in the uh, preseason right now. And tonight he's going to get the biggest boost bump opportunity of uh, the preseason so far. We'll talk all about this. Uh, as we roll along in the show, but on the show today, uh, we are going to welcome in two good friends of mine. Jordan Lundell is the assistant GM and bench coach for the Edmonton Prospects of the Western Canadian Baseball League, a team that uh, I've been uh, fortunate to work with uh, for a few years. And uh, they had an interesting season, finally got back to it, but we're going to talk to Jordan about the Major League Baseball playoffs. Some rule changes coming up, and would he still ride or die with R.A. Dickey? So Jordan's going to join us at about 2.40, uh, 4.40 um, Eastern time, 2.40 in the local area. Tom Gazzola from TSN 1260 and NHL.com, correspondent also with TSN, is going to drop by. We will definitely get the scoop on uh, Dylan Holloway from Tom, and we'll uh, touch on some other stories around the NHL. Uh, a lot of the league still buzzing over Matt Barzell, or uh, yeah, Matt Barzell's $9 million contract extension. Eight years. And we'll take a look at the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, for our Dauber Hockey Fantasy Preview. Penguins got some interesting players to watch. Obviously, there's the the usual cast of characters. And is this it? Are they like Boston? One more ride with the getting the band back together and keeping the band uh, together for Pittsburgh? You can give me your thoughts on all of that as we roll along the program. But uh, we start every show. Also, we're going to have fill in the blank today. <clears throat> That's going to come up in the next segment. We're going to talk about surprises in the NHL and, of course, uh, fantasy. But uh, we start every show off uh, with the question of the day. And the big news last night is that Aaron Judge is now the new single-season home run leader this is the call from michael k on yes So some great symmetry 
between everything that, that happened. Babe Ruth hit home run number 60 in 1927. That was uh, set the then record. 34 years later, Roger Maris came along, and he set the record of 61 in 61. And then you have great symmetry. 61 years later, Aaron Judge sets the new record of 62. So how long do you think this will last? First Ruth, then Maris, now Aaron Judge. Like, I think that Aaron Judge might break this next year. And and a lot of people are saying, so do you consider this the major league record? No, Barry Bonds hit the major league record. Do you not remember? Listen, it's in the record book. They're not taking it out. So stop talking about it. Yeah, what they did was 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 bad, immoral, but it wasn't against the rules. Major League Baseball rode that home run juice player wave. So this is the American League record. Bonds has the National League record. And let's see what Judge can do in years to come. Also, remember, he bet on himself this year. Like, betting on himself when he sets the Major League record? How does he not become the highest paid player in baseball? Wild. So, Judge gets it done last night. That's the question of the day. Please chime in on our Twitch chat stream. Twitch.tv slash Ultimate Fantasy Sports. Let me know where you're watching from as well. And you can also chime in at Duck Millard on Twitter. Or at UFS Network as well. Our top three today is top three Norris Trophy candidates. I think everybody's going to have the same name at the top of the list. Just like uh, when we do the Art Ross, it's going to be McDavid. I'd be surprised if anybody picked McDavid to lead the league. And I'd be surprised if anybody doesn't think Kale McCarr is going to be the Norris Trophy leader. Um, I think Roman Josie. As the reigning point leader. And, And it would be pretty boring if everybody had the same three. So I went with John Klingberg. And listen... It's an out-there pick. I know that. Nick Villeneuve says, how many points do you have Klingberg getting? I say 0% chance he's sniffing anywhere near the point totals of Makar, Yossi, Fox, Hedman, Ekblad. Would have to be astronomical production because he doesn't bring enough defensively to warrant being in the Norris discussion. Well, that's the thing. John Klingberg, is he's pulling an Aaron Judge. He's pulling a Lamar Jackson. He's betting on himself. One-year deal, $7 million with the Ducks, an extremely offensive team. And, I, like, I know John Klingberg is 30, but do people forget that this guy had almost 70 points with the Dallas Stars? So if he can get 70 points with the Dallas Stars, like, he's had tops out at 67, 58. He's had a 13-goal season. People forget that John Klingberg is an offensive player. And I think he will uh, provide more defensive help in Anaheim. 
Like I think I don't think there's I think John Klingberg can get a, a 65 70 point season. Maybe more. Maybe that 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 team is going to score a lot of goals. So John Klingberg is the guy that I'm throwing the wrench into things when it comes to the Norris. Producer Clark says big Klingberg comeback season incoming Dino. Yeah, I I think John Klingberg he has something to prove. Something to prove. I'm, I'm actually typing that right now to producer Clark. So I think it's a big it's a big year for John Klingberg. Here, here's the other thing. I have John Klingberg in fantasy hockey, so I'm, I'm trying to um, throw some nice karma his way as well. Need, need, Duckman's nomination is going to need a big season from John Klingberg. So will the Anaheim Ducks. And, and like I said before, we did our team preview of the Ducks. And I think the Anaheim Ducks are uh, a team that's probably not going to make the playoffs, but a team that can certainly, I think, uh, provide a ton of fantasy options. So that's me. That's my Norris picks. Kale McCarr, Roman Yossi, they're probably on everybody's list. And listen, I've said it about Tampa Bay players let me move over here. I've said it about Tampa Bay players a lot. I think there's going to be a step back. Everybody does. Everybody is is not, like, everybody falls to father time at some point. And the Tampa Bay Lightning have been in three straight Stanley Cup finals. They have played massive hockey. That's why I didn't put Vasilevsky on my Vesna trophy list. That's why Hedman is not on this list. The only guy I think in Tampa who's going to have a better season is Nikita Kucherov because he hasn't played as much as everybody else. So that's why Hedman's not on there. And Adam Fox probably would have been if I didn't put Klingberg on there. But there's some really good options out there for the Norris Trophy. There's some really exciting. And, you know, I thought at times guys like Seth Jones and and, uh, Wierenski, you know, were going to be winning Norris trophies, and then all these other guys come along. It's a great age for NHL defensemen. It's a great age for scoring. We're going to go through our top scoring NHL left wingers uh, later in the show as well. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun season in the National Hockey League. That is for sure. Uh, definitely, um, uh, it's going to be a great season to follow along for fantasy and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. It's also the final day of the Major League Baseball regular season. Uh, I'm pretty sure all these matchups are set in stone now. The Jays are playing a doubleheader with Baltimore. They lost game one, 5-4. They're up 4-0, but I don't think they care. Uh, They gave up two in the sixth off Mitch White. That they should care about. The fact that Mitch White has been just serving it up. Like, who was the guy that the Blue Jays got last year, the he was the closer. Oh, the name is escaping me. If you're if you're on Twitch, drop the name of the guy they got. They ended up just dropping him, DFA'd him because he was so awful. Um, former guy, former national. Anyway, Mitch White hasn't been that bad, but Mitch White has been bad. It, it has not been a uh, good situation for Mitch White or the Toronto Blue Jays. So anyway, they gave up uh, two uh, in the sixth off of Mitch White, and then three in the eighth to lose. But seriously, all you want today, you just want to be healthy. That's all you care about. Get out of this game 
these games, and it sucks that you have to play two. Uh, although Ernie Banks loved it. But just get out healthy. Play as many backups as you can. Get your starting rotation set for Friday. Get your bullpen set for Friday. Hopefully you don't have to use too many arms. Like David Phelps is uh, starting for the Blue Jays in this uh, second half of the doubleheader today. Guessing this is first uh, start for David Phelps. But these are the matchups. Which one are you most excited about? I can't wait to watch the Padres and the Mets. And I'm also really intrigued to see what Albert Pujols, a rejuvenated Red Hot, who's not in the lineup uh, today. Uh, Cardinals are uh, leading the Pirates one nothing. All the games have started. It's an all-early day. Um, Pujols not in the starting lineup, so I guess they're, they're resting him for the playoffs for sure. And so we'll we'll see. That's a good matchup. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm intrigued by the pitching matchup and the uh, Mets and the Padres. And, and I'd like to see uh, this young core of Toronto Blue Jays. I'd like to see Blue Jay fever take over uh, Canada like it did a few years ago with the walk-offs and all that fun stuff. Uh, so yeah, the playoff pitcher gets going a day off tomorrow, and then the series will start on Friday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, so Aaron Judge last night hit home run number 62 off Jesus Tinoco. There is a, uh, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing uh, that properly or not, uh, but definitely um, a trivia question for sure. Uh, Who did Aaron Judge hit his 62nd home run off of? Um, and it was uh, Jesus uh, Tinoco. And to start things off, the doubleheader yesterday, right off the bat, Judge hitting leadoff, and he crushes it. Into left field. Not deep, but deep enough. And it was awesome. We'll show you the calls. When we show you the calls, watch for the guy diving after the ball. Remember the guy on Monday Night Football that time that dove out and caught the uh, the, the field goal? This did not happen the same way. This was a guy jumping off, hoping the ball would land in between the fence and the stands, and somebody caught it. A multi-million dollar catch in left field for yet another Yankee right fielder. Um, Just amazing. So, going to have a a little fun and uh, ask you which call was the best. So let's start off uh, one more time with the Yankees TV announcer, Michael Kay. High fly ball, deep left. There it goes, soaring into history. He's done it. He has done it. 62. Aaron Judge is the American League single season home run leader. BAL King. Breaking ball. And I tell you, if you didn't see it, you're going to see that swing for a long time to come. Aaron Judge and the magical season finally has an end at number 62. Okay. 
So that was the call from Michael K on uh, Yes Network. Too much talking. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Just too much altogether talking. I love the case closed. Um... I just thought, listen, I'm from the Vin Scully School of Broadcasting, and any massive milestone, he let it have its moment. So I thought there was a little too much talking with that call. Now, here's the same video, but different audio. This is John Sterling, who is the Yankees' radio voice. Uh, let me know what you think of this. Swung on. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. Aaron Judge hits his 62nd. All the Yankees out of the dugout to greet him. Just think of it. Three Yankee right fielders. The Babe hitting 60 and 27. The Jolly Roger. Hitting 61 and 61. And now Aaron Judge hits his 62nd home run. The most home runs any American leaguer has hit in a single season. And the American League has been alive for 120 years. This is Judgment Day. Case closed. All right. So there was a call with a lot of history. Like, that was like a history class for the Yankees. Again, too much talking, but good history. They both used the same case closed, um, but I thought Sterling's was better. Um, better ending, and who knows if they talked before. Obviously, they didn't. But again, too much talking. Still, it's the Yankees. I, I understand I just think you got to let it breathe a little bit. And here's the Bally Sports call. And this is Dave Raymond on Bally Sports. And I actually think this is the best one. The flight of the ball. And that ball is crushed. Deep out to left. And history has landed in Arlington. Number 62 for Aaron Judge. An American League single season home run record as he passes Roger Maris in the penultimate game of this 2022 season. So, which did you like best of those calls? You got Michael K of Yes. You have uh, John Sterling, who is the radio voice of the Yankees. And you have Dave Raymond of Bally Sports. Which did you like best? I threw it up as a poll question on Twitter, so hit me up at Duck Millard. I liked the history has landed in Arlington and then let it breathe. 
Let the moment live. And Texas fans were respective. They were cheering. They why, why wouldn't they go nuts, man? It was history for a team that is out of the playoffs. So why not let it breathe? So have your say at Duck Millard. Which call was the best? Michael K. John Sterling, Dave Raymond. I like Dave Raymond. I like the uh, the opposition, which is, you know, it's not, you know, like the home guy puts so much. Like I, I can't imagine how long Michael Kay and John Sterling had worked on those lines, you know, probably when Judge hit 36 in the first three months. So the, uh, the opposition guy, he doesn't have a lot of time to think because you're, Dave Raymond probably is like, there's no way Judge is lasting until this series. And then it happens. He's like, oh, I'm going to come up with something. And, and I thought that was a really good one. So maybe that's just the nerdy broadcast guy in me uh, that, you know. But those moments, like Kirk Gibson's home run in 88 is the reason I'm a Dodgers fan. And it's Vin Scully that made me that Dodgers fan with that call. The Gibson home run was great, and then I became a Dodger fan. But more I became a Vin Scully fan because of that call. Bob Cole. Sucked me in every time. Oh, baby. It was so awesome. So, okay. So that is uh, a little bit of what, what we go on, what we got going on today. We'll continue uh, the baseball talk. We'll get into some uh, football and some projections for the quarterbacks this week. That's my quarterback. And then we'll dive into a lot of hockey. Uh, we are going to chat about the top-scoring left-wingers in the NHL this year and my predictions, top-scoring left-wingers from last year and my predictions. We're also going to get into what Dylan Holloway's chances are. He's playing with Connor McDavid tonight for the Oilers against Vancouver and Zach Hyman. That's a huge opportunity after he's just coming off a hat trick. It tells you the Oilers are really interested in seeing what he's going to, what he can do. And Tom Gazzola will drop by the show to chat with us about that. And of course, uh, my good friend Jordan Blundell. He is going to join us at uh, five or four forty p.m. Eastern time, and we're going to get into some Major League Baseball playoffs. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily, coming to you from the marsh just outside of Edmonton, produced by DM Productions. And if you would like your project or production taken to the next level, here's how you can find out how you can do that. We'll be back in two seconds or more. If you need to, to take your production to the next level, hit me up, infodeanmillardproductions at gmail.com, and uh, I can get working 
on your project. Welcome back into the show. It is 4.26 p.m. Eastern Time, 2.26 in the Mountain Time Zone. And if you're uh, in Newfoundland, I'm not even going to try. I think I, I, No, I'm going to say it's like 5.30 in Newfoundland. That, that's what I'm going to guess. feel a little bit like Brian Williams there. That's my best. Speaking of, uh, okay, so... We have uh, Jordan Blundell coming up in just a little bit to talk Major League Baseball. But in this segment, uh, we're going to get into some more fantasy talk. Uh, Whoops, that's not the right one. That is the right camera. That's what happens when you're the uh, director and the producer and the host. Um, We're going to get into fill in the blanks here, and then we'll get back into some more specific fantasy stuff, uh, specifically when it comes to quarterback projections uh, for this week in the National Football League. Uh, But uh, as always, uh, we throw up a fill-in-the-blank fantasy question. If you don't blank, then are you really into fantasy or just having fun? If you don't at least have two votes on your entry fee, then are you really into fantasy or are you just having fun? Like our league right now, our major hockey league, it's it's crazy. The votes are going all, all over the place about the entry fees. Some want it like high, some want it low. You know, we, our entry fee was supposed to be a thousand. I don't know what's going on. But if you don't have several votes about your entry fee, are you really into fantasy, or are you just having fun? That's mine. But you fill in the blank for yourself. If you don't blank, then are you really into fantasy, or are you just having fun? Uh, also, fantasy hockey question for today. Blank will be the surprise of the NHL season. Blank will be the fantasy surprise of the NHL season. Hit me up with your thoughts on that. You can drop it in uh, the Twitch message board or you can hit me up on Twitter at Duck Millard. Blank will be the fantasy surprise of the NHL season. Um, you know, I kind of, one of them was John Klingberg, I said, who I think is going to get some Norris Trophy consideration. But William Eklund is the guy in San Jose that I put up for the Calder. And I think he's going to really change some, uh, raise some eyebrows. Obviously, people that you know watched him for nine games last year saw what he could do. But maybe it's Dylan Holloway for you. Who knows? Hit me up on Twitter, at, or at Duck Millard on Twitter, or drop it in the chat message board portion of our Twitch stream. And thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, maybe you're watching on YouTube. If you are, thank you as well. We're here live Monday to Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. And we bring you all the fantasy goods. And if you are watching live and missed any of the show, you can catch it in its uh, replay form on YouTube. Just search for Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. And you can also get the show in podcast format as well. If uh, you, if it's just the audio uh, that you're after, you can also find our show in audio format podcast 
as well. So blank will be the surprise of the fantasy season. And uh, our, our weekly one is if you don't blank, are you really into fantasy or are you just having fun? Well, if you have uh, one of these quarterbacks in fantasy football, uh, I think you are definitely having some fun. Here are the quarterback projections for week five. These are the top 10 quarterbacks, according to Fantasy Pros. Josh Allen of uh, the Buffalo Bills. And uh, I'll let you know who uh, they are playing uh, in uh, fantasy as well. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills take on the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, this weekend. And Josh Allen, I think it's actually going to be even better. The projections of uh, 270 yards, I think he gets closer to 300. Um, the, the two touchdowns and the interception, yeah, and, and I think uh, he gets 50 rushing yards. So I think those 25 points are even going to be more. Patrick Mahomes looks pretty good, although maybe a little bit more rushing yards would be nice for fantasy owners. Uh, the Chiefs are playing the Raiders. On Monday Night Football, the Raiders are coming off a big victory. They have some confidence. This is going to be a massive game uh, for the Vegas Raiders, who started the season terrible. Now, can they contain Patrick Holmes? Probably not. If you look all the way down at the list, Derek Carr is at the bottom. It tells you that fantasy experts think that this is going to be a high-scoring game. Patrick Holmes predicted they had 23.5 points in fantasy this week versus the Raiders. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens could just not get it done. But that doesn't mean he's not getting it done in fantasy. Yardage looks a little bit low this week, but he does throw for two touchdowns as projected. Uh, I think he'll also sneak into the end zone, so I think he's going to be closer to the 25 points in uh, fantasy. But we will see. And Lamar and and, and Jalen Hurts. Um, I think Jalen Hurts is the, uh, the one of the greatest stories. You know, people thought he was going to be good uh, based on last year. I don't know if a lot of people thought he was going to be top five, but projected to be a top five quarterback this week. Uh, 246 yards, two touchdowns in the air, one on the ground. If he can take away that pick and maybe get above the 50-yard mark on the ground, you may be looking at Jalen Hurts as a top three quarterback, and they're playing against the Bengals uh, or the Cardinals this week. That means Kyler Murray is the opposition, and I think Jay, I think this is going to be one of the best games uh, to watch all season in the National Football League. Jalen Hurts versus Kyler Murray. But before we get to there, we got to get to Tom Brady, the GOAT. Obviously, having some personal issues, I don't think we really need to go there. Do you care that much? If it's affecting his play, sure. But Tom Brady's still projected to be a top-five quarterback this week. Obviously, it's not hurting him that much uh, to, to have the personal issues. I'm sure it is. Um, let's, let's face it, he is a human being. But still projected to throw the ball 40 times this week for 295 yards against the Falcons. Two touchdowns, and if he can limit the pick then you're looking at a top five week. Justin Herbert, 
How are those ribs? How is this guy going to throw 40 times almost with those ribs? 280 yards, two touchdowns, just under 20 and a half points. So just back of Tom Brady. And there's Joe Burrow. What will Joe Burrow do? Uh, By the way, uh, Herbert uh, takes on the Browns. Joe Burrow, as mentioned, will take on the Ravens. And Kyler Murray will face the Eagles, as I talked about with uh, Jalen Hurts. So Joe Burrow, pretty decent outing, looking like 292 yards. Again, if he can get the protection he got last week, was only sacked twice, it could be a really good week for Joe Burrow. Kyler Murray, 245. I, I think he certainly scores on the ground. Um, he might score twice on the ground against the Eagles, although that Eagles defense is pretty deadly. But Kyler Murray has been slicing people up. So I wouldn't doubt that he, I like. I don't know why they don't think he's getting one. I think Kyler Murray scores on the ground once this week. Uh, but maybe, maybe he doesn't even score in the air. So it happened with uh, Jalen Hurts last week. And then Aaron Rodgers takes on the New York Giants, surprising everybody this year. Um, Rodgers, an okay day. Two p- touchdowns, a uh, uh, pick predicted for 17.9 points. The same amount of points as Derek Carr, who's going to throw a lot more yards. But the uh, and the completion percentage is going to be better. So I don't know where, uh, how they... they uh, construct this but those guys look like they have uh, similar stats and set their cars is better so anyway i took those from fantasy pros i think so when i'm looking at this list yeah i think josh allen and patrick Mahomes. i think jalen hurts will have a better week than lamar jackson uh, i think tom brady is going to drop so i would put tom brady down on your list i would move kyler murray up on your list um, and I think the, you know, I, I, I think obviously Derek Carr is going to be a little bit better. Um, and, and Joe Burrow, I would move down. So I'd be moving Tom Brady and Joe Burrow down. I'd be moving Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray up uh, as far as starting quarterbacks. But I don't think you're going to go wrong with any of those guys if you have them as your starting quarterback, unless uh, something pops up uh, on the, uh, the injury wire list in the next uh, couple of days uh, or so. But like I said, I think if you have any of those quarterbacks, uh, you're probably pretty happy. As the Week 5 schedule gets underway on Thursday uh, with the Colts and the Broncos and the Giants and uh, the Packers, I think they're in London. Yeah, so that's the early game this weekend. Uh, The Giants and the Packers, the early game in London, uh, everything else gets going at the uh, usual time. The Sunday night game uh, this weekend is uh, the Bengals and the Ravens. Uh, So you get Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. And then the Monday night game, as mentioned, is the Raiders and the Chiefs. So there's a look at your top 10 quarterback projections for week five. Uh, As I mentioned, I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a better week than they're projecting. I also think Kyler Murray is. And I don't think Tom Brady and Joe Burrow are going to have as good a weeks as the projections uh, say they will. Anyway, have your say. Chime in on our uh, Twitch message board. Let me know what you think of my thoughts or anything else. When we come back. My good friend Jordan Blundell is going to join the show, and we're going to dive into Major League Baseball, the playoffs. Yeah, I said it. The playoffs. Playoffs. And rule changes. Thankfully, the shift will be gone 
next year. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily on the Ultimate Fantasy Twitch channel. We are back with Jordan Blundell of the Edmonton Prospects right after this. long enough to our uh, commercial music uh, as we will get into the Major League Baseball story. Uh, Games wrapping up today, day off, and then the three-game series will start on Friday. It's going to be so much fun. I I really, really can't wait for it. And I'm really excited to uh, welcome back a good friend of mine. It's been quite a while since we've chatted. My man, Jordan Blundell, who is the uh, head coach and uh, AGM of the Edmonton Prospects. How are you, buddy? I'm good, Dino. Thanks for having me on, man. It has been a while since we've hung out here. Yeah, it has. Uh, Quickly, um, I know the season didn't end the way you wanted it, but must have been fun just to get a regular normal season and work with those kids again with the Prospects. Yeah, uh, you know what? That was uh, was special. To, to get back to playing a regular season, uh, the full schedule, uh, the travel, all those components, and, and getting American players up here again uh, in, in 20, 
I guess it was 21, uh, we, we ended up playing a season with just Canadians, which was awesome. Uh, but typically, you know, we, we have players from all over the world uh, in our league, and, and we were back to that this summer. We had a Japanese player, Dino. Mm-hmm. He was pretty special on the mound. Uh, looking forward to seeing what he's able to do. Uh, I think we might see him in, in one, of the, one of the Asian professional leagues. I'm hopeful that it's a Japanese professional league. That would be awesome. Uh, that that would be really, really in, incredible. We'll get into uh, the future of the team in a second, but the immediate future of Major League Baseball is this awesome new playoff format. Uh, obviously, you're really excited for, for the Jays. We'll get to them in a second, but take your Jays hat off. What series uh, in the first round or potential matchup in the second round really excites you? You know, I'd love to see the, the Cardinals play the Braves in, in uh, the NLDS. Uh, you're looking at some legends, man. Pujols, Wainwright, Molina, uh, the Swan Song. The Braves are just this factory of winning. It's kind of what the Cardinals are, too, appropriately, appropriately named the machine, mm-hmm. Albert Pujols. The Cardinals, all, all they do is know how to win, very similar to the Braves, so... Dino, that would be a really cool matchup I'd like to see. Um, I am a little bit worried for the Jays with the Mariners' bullpen. That bullpen is scary good, dude. Uh, And they got Julio. Julio's magic. Uh, We might be be feeling a little uh, Mariners a la 95. Ken Griffey Jr. come ripping around the bags. It's magic again in Seattle, baby. It is, and and you know, I was talking with Eric Grossman, who used to work for the Blue Jays yesterday, and I said, "What would have been really interesting if this series was in Seattle?" Because we always know what happens when the Jays are in Seattle, but this Toronto atmosphere is going to be crazy. Like I remember the last time the playoffs happened, I was on the radio at the time, and we were just glued to it. And this is when everybody's talking about the Oilers in Edmonton, and we were glued to the Jays. So I'm really excited about it. The one series I'm looking forward to is the Mets-Padres because one of those teams is going to be really disappointed that they're not going to get more out of their really good pitching staff. Like one team's only getting yeah, three games. Yeah, yeah, or or two. Yeah, maybe. Three. Yeah. Um, Snell, Snell's been dealing too, dude. He's been a fantasy disappointment for a while. He's up yes. and down the, I've had him. I've had to let let him go, and it looks like he might be settling into the legit Blake Snell that you see in spurts through a fantasy season that always frustrates guys that have him. Uh, he might be for real. If that's the case, this could be upset city. Mets uh, with Scherzer and Degrom have dealt with some injuries. You know that. Yeah. Um, you know if they can only get five out of Scherzer, if they can only get five out of Degrom. We get into that pen a little bit earlier. Um, baseball in the playoffs is home runs and bullpen, my man. Uh, haters, haters, right again in San Diego. Mm-hmm. You sniffing maybe an upset here, dude. Well, it's it's like I don't know who is going to be more disappointed, the Mets because they lost the division lead and and that pitching staff, or the Padres if they lose because they went out and got Soto and you know a few other moves and then lost uh, obviously. Um, uh, Tatis Jr., sorry. So yep. who do you think is more disappointed when they exit? One of these teams is going to go out disappointing. Who do you think would be the more disappointing loss in round one? Uh, that, that's got to be the Mets, uh, considering where they started, how they started, yeah. uh, their payroll. Uh, they've been built for this. Um, 
they don't have any excuses. Uh, San Diego can can you know fall back on the Tatis situation and and have some culpability, some deniability on not being able to get through. They didn't have all their guys, although they made some tremendous moves at the deadline. Man, getting mm-hmm. Soto, Drury, getting Hader, getting Bell. Um, so I think there there's a little bit of a free roll there, although they did mortgage some of the future. They've got those guys beyond this year. Uh, so they're set up for next year as well. Uh, the Mets, that's the disappointment, Dino. Uh, <laughs> you know, to not win that division, uh, it, actually, it's not their fault. That's how good the Braves played. Yeah. They played like almost 700 clip baseball since June 1st. So you're looking at the Mets who played like 62% win baseball. Uh, that's usually good for you don't have to worry about anything in the playoffs. And it just so happened that the Braves machine is, is unstoppable. Yeah, well, speaking of the machine, we might be talking about Pujols as a playoff MVP. This guy is red hot. He's not playing today. They're resting him as every team. They just want to get into it healthy. But I'm serious. Albert Pujols, 22 of his or 11 of his 22 home runs have come in the last 44 games or something. It's ridiculous. Or he's got more than 22 now. What do you think about this? Like this Cardinals team is the team I wouldn't want to play in the play playoffs. Yeah, they've they've got championship pedigree. They've got the machine rejuvenated, found mm-hmm. found the fountain of youth, Dino. Yeah. Like he he was almost the worst possible fantasy baseball player option over the last couple of years. Yeah. And now he's back to Albert Pujols' mid-career Hall of Fame numbers. It it's a little bit fishy, honestly, like for him to be at this level. Uh special, really? man. That that group a little bit that fishy. group's special. What do you mean by that? Like, he, I, it's, it's Dodger magic, man. He went to the Dodgers. They rejuvenated his career, and now he's back. It's Dodger magic, baby. Well, we can we can call it that if you like. Uh, it just seems it just seems crazy. Uh, I, I'm super happy for him. He's yeah. been clean his whole career. I'm totally, sure he's clean yeah. now. It just it's just such a it, it's a really big outlier. Like this is a major extreme compared yeah. to what he's done over. A lot of days. So uh, that magic in St. Louis, man, um, you can't match that. What were you more intrigued by as this season went on? Pujols' chase for 700 or Judge's chase, obviously, that is now over for 62 or more? Uh, do you know, I've thought about this. I, I don't know which one means more. Uh, both, both are crazy. Like 700 outside of Bonds, who we know... Yep. The suspicion surrounding that that doesn't exist for Pujols. The fact that he got to seven hundred is is, I mean, three times in in a hundred years in this sport, that's special. And then you look at the flip side. Now the American League leader in home runs is Aaron Judge, and before it was nineteen sixty one with Maris getting sixty one. Like, what's that? Seventy years? I got to do the math quick. Sixty one 60, years. Sixty years. 61, 61 years, years. Yeah. that's crazy in its own right again um i don't know which one means more i mean the fact that judge did this with all the arms the level of arms the yeah. the amount of different arms he sees uh, it's been pointed out on some of these talk shows that 260 plus arms he's faced you know when babe ruth did his 60 he faced 61 different pitchers so yeah uh the, the amount of information the velocity the travel this might be the greatest season of all time 
offensively. There's a lot of people talking it. I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm buying in on that with, with social media, with everything. The 62 this year is, is something that I don't think we'll ever see again. Well, yeah, I hope we do. I hope next year we see 63 or, or, or whatever it might be. Um, you know, let's, let, I hope so. So there, there's a lot of talk uh, about the MVP race and, you know, I think it's been talked to death. What about the Cy Young race? Like, when, when you look at the AL Cy Young, is it Verlander and the NL is Alcantara because of the innings? Or do you think there's more of a case for other guys? Um, I like the Verlander case in the American League. Uh, who are a couple of the other options? I can't see the screen. Do you know? we got Dylan Cease. Oh, yeah, in the American Otani. League, yeah, Dylan Cease and uh, Otani. Alec Manoa is uh, a Framber Valdez, uh, some of those guys. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's Verlander. I mean, Cease, Otani. You know, I like Otani needs a little bit more on the pitching end. I think to be declared the Cy Young to take that from Verlander. Cease is new to the scene, kind of one of those guys. If you've done it before, uh, you know, you keep piling up those awards for the Hall of Fame status. That's Verlander to me. Um, in the National League, I love Alcantara. Uh, I think he's uh, he's the clubhouse lead here. Um, the wins out in, in LA, like you got Gonsolin, you got Urias, they might split some votes. Um, I like That's Alcantara, point, man. Actually. He, he, he's, he's kind of like Greg Maddox that throws way harder than Greg Maddox, but he's a spot up guy. It's efficient. It's all of a sudden he's 92 pitches in the eighth inning. You know, he's able to pound it. He's able to get ahead. He's a clinic every time he throws. Um, I'm thinking some split votes in LA. It's going to go to Alcantara. Yeah, and he's he's led the league in in innings pitched, and he's been an absolute horse. So that's I, a big that's one. A, that, that's a good that's point a about uh, and complete games. I think he has six complete games or something. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like you don't. It's so funny. I was looking at Cy, like unbreakable records the other day, and Cy Young's like seven hundred and ninety four complete games or whatever. The, of yeah. the top two hundred guys in complete games, there's zero that are currently playing. Like cause nobody hardly ever does complete games anymore. So it's and it's it's the, the game has changed, but it's changing again. Next year we are going to see rule changes. Most of all, banning the shift. Oh I'm so yeah, happy you for got- that. <laughs> What, what do you think of an imp? What kind of an impact, or do you think this is going to have an immediate impact? The stolen bases one, I think, is going to we're going to see an impact as the season goes on. I think the shift is going to show immediate uh, upticks in some guys. Yeah, immediate for sure. Uh, it'll change everything. Uh, I don't know where I stand on this. Like it, dictating what can and can't be done between the lines is, you know, outside of some safety rules, you know, the sliding at the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a major change in, in available strategy for managing and, and managers. I don't know, man. I don't know if I like it or not. I, I like the fact that the offense will tick up, I believe. Uh, it's going to make hitters better. Um, there's going to be more hits. I'm not sure that quickens the pace of the game. That's what I, I don't get. You know, if we get more hits, more guys on base, I feel like that slows down. Uh, the duration of the game, not that the entertainment value that that heightens, and um, but it takes more time once you get traffic going. I don't know how that shortens the game. Having the shift means more out, means quicker play. I'm confused on that one. Uh, but there's a pitch clock like the, though, right? Like that's so that's maybe where the game speeds up 
or there, maybe there's a trade-off because the pitchers aren't going to have as much time to, to do whatever. So, you know, you add up all those seconds. So maybe it's a trade-off. Maybe the game doesn't speed up, but the game should speed up. I mean, listen, I love being at a ballpark and, and watching a game, but uh, not everybody is me. And, and the game does need to be a little bit faster for the next generation. Listen, we know what attention spans are like. Uh, you know, you and I, we grew up in the 80s without all these devices. So we remember that. There's, there's a generation that, that doesn't remember that. And all they want is entertainment and they want it now. And, and yeah. how, how sports capitalize on it is how sports will survive. Agreed, man. You're right. Uh, speeding up the game uh, is, it seems like it's a priority for MLB and, and it looks like they're doing something about it. So that's encouraging. I agree. You know, the more things that, that attract eyes to the product, the better, the more kids that are interested in going to games, the better it's the atmosphere. It's, it's what it's all about. Um, so if we can capture some uh, low attention span by speeding things up, all the better. I'm all for it. I, I, I'm not that I'm confused that the, the shift is going to lead to quicker games. If that's the case, I know the pitch clock will. Um, but now that there's more traffic on it, we might be right back to square one. Um, but let's see it, man. You've been, you've been hunting this band, the shift for a while. I'm happy that you've got there. You, you pushed this across the finish line. Yeah. They must've been following the prospects podcast. And now here we are. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to end shows with now when I talk about baseball because that's how I always ended the show. I'm going to have to come up with something else. Uh, the yeah. stolen base thing is interesting. Like I said, I think managers are going to be a little bit cautious until they see you know that extra whatever distance closer to the to the the runner. I think it's going to encourage more attempts, and then it's up to the base runners and, and things like that but guys like Cedric Mullins and, and, and Marte and some of these guys they must be really excited because their managers might give them the green light a lot more would you as a manager with a, that extra little bit of space that they're putting on the base uh yeah I think so I think that the the increased stolen bags are going to come from the limit on picks available to you um and and the strategy behind trying to pick a guy off you know you get two pickoffs the third one you either pick them off or it's a balk um so i think that uh will get the running game going I, yeah i mean i obviously the decrease in distance will help i don't i don't know how much i mean how many plays are decided seriously by an eyelash at the, at the bag Anyway, first world problems, and the, the the thing everybody is excited about, I think, and, and I think kind of the story is, is what's going on with Dylan Holloway right now, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine uh, everybody is excited about on your in your pre- and post-game show about Dylan Holloway, and tonight, he's going to start with McDavid and Zach Hyman, so I mean, the Dylan Holloway hype train must be through the roof right now. They're already giving him that spot on the roster, Dino. Not just the, the one on day one of, of the season to, to get the cap compliance and bring down the cap. Um, and, and rightly so. I mean, he's passed every test that he's been thrown uh, this entire preseason and throughout training cap. You're going to see him, like you mentioned, on that line with McDavid and Hyman. I mean, that's against the Canucks. A better Canucks lineup that we saw compared to the one we saw, pardon me, here in Edmonton a couple of days ago where it was essentially an AHL team mm -hmm. and Holloway just feasted on them. And I think he's essentially, he's pretty much on the verge of, of securing that spot, but I don't think it's necessarily set, set in stone just yet. Uh, one more decent game, maybe they give him both games 
And uh, and if you don't see too much from uh, Yessa Pugliarvi or anybody else who, uh, I don't think anybody's really made a push uh, from an outsider's point of view to to make a case for a roster spot. I think Holloway's got this thing locked up, which is great, but it's preseason. And we've seen some preseason heroes in orange and blue over the last, you know, five, six years. Ty Ratty was great. Brendan Perlini last offseason or preseason. Uh, Anton Lander one year, uh, yeah. six, seven years ago, led all scoring in the preseason. So once we get into actual games next week, uh, we'll see what Holloway looks like and if he continues to impress and play well. Um, otherwise, you know, he's done everything that's been asked of him, which is excellent to see. And maybe he's arriving now instead of halfway through the season or something like that. But the type of plays he's making, the goals he scored the other night, those are confidence goals. Those are elite playmaking plays. And uh, if he's riding with two of the best in the world, maybe they've got something there already. Yeah, like he, the, the goals he's scoring now are similar to the goals he was scoring in the Penticton tournament, which is which is good to see because he shows that he still has that confidence. I think I think you guys should have a preseason Euler Award, and I think it should be called the Ty Ratty Award because that was the craziest, man. Like, that was the wildest... Um, you know, Euler uh, fandom moment for me was when Ty Ratty was supposed to be on that that top line. Now, Dylan Holloway sounds like he's you know banging on the door and gonna to make the lineup. But where? Like, he, he he you don't expect him to be on the top line during the season. Is he a bottom six guy, or do you think he can bang his way into the top six? I don't think I don't think that's uh, what they want him to do. I don't think that would be the appropriate way to handle him. And what this has done, I think, is, uh, you know, put a little bit of pressure on Ken Holland if, again, this continues to, to make that Yesa Pugliarvi move. And that's been on the top of the priority list basically all offseason and continues to be on the list when I was, you know, checking in with some of the, the people from Hockey Ops with the Oilers even as recently as a couple of hours ago. It's just nothing's come to fruition. Nobody's offering more than a pick for Pugliarvi. And, and then again, like you, you want to hope and you want to expect that this success continues for a young guy like Holloway. But again, there's always that little, you know, voice inside of your head saying, yeah, but can he do it in the regular season? So maybe that delays uh, Ken Holland pulling a move off for uh, Jesse Pugliarvi. And I don't think it's going to be Warren Fogle. I mean, they've essentially telegraphed Warren Fogle being on the third line, playing the right side, all training camp and preseason. And he's looked just fine there with uh, Ryan McLeod and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So, no, Holloway wouldn't be in the bottom six if, if he sticks on this team. And all of a sudden, you know, you hope Kyler Yamamoto is okay. No update on him, by the way. He went hard into the boards the other night against Vancouver. Right. Um, so it, it's almost like if this continues the way that the play has progressed throughout training camp, yes, uh, Pugliarvi could just be the odd man out extra forward until they can make a move. So and and it's it's kind of strange that like you're you're kind of like holding this up because you're not getting what you want. At some point, to, to, do you think they have to just take what's out there just to move on from this for both parties? Like you might not get what you want, but your lineup cohesion might be better. Yeah, and the cap compliance is yeah, another big thing. Right. I mean, play with a twenty man, twenty one man roster, Dino, not ideal by any means. So, so maybe they delay it. Maybe they, they wait and then finally just say, okay, we need to do this. Get it out of the way. We know Holloway can play if, if again, the big caveat is, does he play this well in regular season action? 
um, yeah, it, at some point it's make it or break it time. And, and I know there's a lot of fans out there or there's a vocal portion of the fan base that uh, are living and dying with the SC Pooley They throw out the war chats all war charts all the time. But the fact of the matter is he's the guy that's on the block and he's the guy that has been a little bit disgruntled at times and they've they've made no bones about that both the player and the organization have discussed you know things didn't end well he wasn't too happy yes he's come back with a good attitude yes you know we saw the picture with him sturgeon fishing around the bc <laughs> uh, uh lower mainland with the rest of his teammates that's great that that shows that you know he's one of the guys but uh, I mean, it's there's a sense of inevitability with with this move, and and they're not going to move Tyson Berry. They're not going to move Warren Fogle. It's JP number thirteen in orange and blue. That's likely the guy that moves on. Yeah, I, I loved having this conversation with Struddy all the time about okay, so you got we'll even go back to Penticton. You got Penticton, mm-hmm. and then you got the first couple of preseason games. And then they start filtering in more NHL players and the PTOs are out. So then you have the back half of the preseason. So there's the Penticton, then another level when you're playing against men, then another level when you're playing against NHL men. And then there's that first 10, 15, 20 games. And Struddy talks about it all the time, about the rookies just being, when you would have saw it on the plane, just being gassed because the, the pace of the NHL is is what it is. So there are different levels, and that's why... People get mad at us all the time when we pump the brakes on the preseason because not every player is just can step in and be a Connor McDavid and play at that level immediately. It hits them and they hit walls. And Strutty saw it as a player. You would have saw it traveling with the team. So yep. there is a let's pump the brakes and wait for like the 20-game mark, the 25-game mark of the season almost. Exactly. And that's why I say maybe they, they wait it out and, and see what happens uh, in the first month of the season. And it's it's interesting too because uh, the hype is real. People are at these games. They're seeing this guy in person have an impact, which is tremendous and fantastic. But even with some of the veterans, like Struddy and you discussed in the past, like they're sprinkling in more veterans, more of the higher end guys are playing. They always want to play in that last preseason game. We're going to see a whole bunch more tonight from both sides of Vancouver Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers. But like watching the veteran guys from both teams even the other night, like McDavid's line and, and Dreisaitl's line didn't seem like it was doing much until halfway through the game. Granted, Dylan Holloway was doing his own thing. He was a man alive, but I'm watching McDavid's line going, these guys even trying right now. Like Evander Kane, I think, is is going at about 65%. And obviously, he's the type of guy that's been around long enough that when you know the puck drops against the Canucks next week for game one of the regular season, he's going at 100%. And you know, he was joking about uh, not wanting to play that much in the preseason. Well, uh, you're right. This is a guy kind of telling us, literally, yeah. that things step up in a big way come day one of the regular season across the board. It's just how it works. But, you know, we can't take too much away from the good that's been done, especially mm-hmm. by young guys. But then when we compare it to guys that were, let's say, tweeners, like a Perlini, like Lander, like Ty Ratty, um, you basically knew what type of player they were by the time training camp ended yeah. and the regular season started because there was already a body of work there in years prior. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. If Dylan Holloway can keep doing it, he'll buck the trend. But the trend is that these guys, 
you know, eventually kind of hit that wall a little bit and, and, and see where it happens. But it's it's exciting, and it's obviously what you want. It's better than us talking about their, their first-round pick underperforming. Uh, and, you know, the, you're right. Like, these guys don't want to play in the playoffs. Struddy has the best story about flying to Winnipeg and being scratched and then going to the Earls that was across the street and watching the game. For, it's, like, just one of the best stories that I always loved getting him to tell. Um, ar- around the NHL, what did you think of the Matt Barzell deal yesterday from the Islanders? I think the Islanders have been one of the strangest off-season teams. Like, they get rid of a really good coach. Then they put all their eggs in Johnny Gaudreau. It didn't happen. And I guess we know where the Johnny Gaudreau money went now, maybe. But this is an Islanders team that resembles more of an alumni team with their ages than an actual NHL team. Yeah, and they had that small window where they went to the conference final back-to-back years. And and they did it with stingy systems play that Barry Trotz brought to the table. And then, yes, he's uh, since moved on. Um, I'm assuming I, I... feel like this deal signifies maybe the start of the next chapter in in the book of the New York Islanders with Barzell getting big money. All right, they're going to build their offense around him. You know, you saw Jordan Everly go last season to the Seattle Kraken. That was a guy that was pumping in 25 goals a year for them consistently and giving them some solid plays. So it's a team. They have some nice pieces. I like Anders Lee. That's a good, strong uh, leader on that team. He's a, he's a tough, big-body player. So they do have some elements. But, yeah, I think Barzell in this deal is a commitment to, to taking this team into the next uh, chapter of its history. And, and now Lou Lamorello, who I'm sure was very reluctant to give that kind of money out to yeah. a, a player like Barzell, who does have a lot of promise, has had some good years. But uh, it, it just seems to go against the grain of a Lou Lamorello. And I'm sure there's going to be a day in the next couple of years where we're talking about the next general manager of the Islanders trying to take them from wherever they get to in this window to the next step, and that's back to the promised land. And uh, who else is involved in that player-wise? I don't know because you're right. There's been a pretty big exodus, and the leftovers are some older guys, and they seem like a team in flux, but now Barzell is going to be the face of the offense, and that's got uh, his stamp on it after this deal. And let's see how they add the other pieces to the puzzle because uh, they're in a tough division and it isn't easy by any means. Yeah. And they're go- I don't, I'm, I'm not crazy about their, their goaltending either. Um, yeah. What about the closer to home uh, crazy off season for the flames? I mean, like it. I thought they were dead. I thought the battle of Alberta was over. Do you think the flames are better than they were last year uh, going into this season with the pieces that they've added? And do you think that they are, or the Oilers are the division favorite? Uh, I'll start with uh, are the Flames better because I take heat. Thank you, Gene Principe, the Prince of Puns, for saying this. I think they are a better team than they were last season. I like Huberdeau. I like Nazem Kadri. I like Mackenzie Weger. And that's just adding to a group that was already pretty damn good, Dino. I mean, finished first in the Pacific Division last year. And, yeah, I, you know, Jay Woodcroft and the Oilers, their game plan worked to a T. Daryl. Sutter didn't have the answer for what the Oilers threw at him. And so I think we're going to see a great battle of Alberta again. Uh, Another reason why I think the Calgary Flames are potentially slightly better, or in my opinion, a better team, is because of that. Is As a team, there seems to be guys now in that room uh, that could create more cohesion uh, amongst each other. Like It didn't seem like Matthew Kachuk, although he's an excellent player, 100-point guy, uh, all that all-star didn't seem like 
everybody loved him necessarily. And he didn't win over the hearts of the entirety of the team. And uh, Johnny Gaudreau, he at times faded away in the postseason. And uh, he wasn't always, he's not a raw, raw guy, despite being an excellent player and, and a superstar. And then on defense, you know, they lose Gabranson, who goes to uh, Columbus with Johnny <laughs> Gaudreau. But then they bring in Uyghur, who by all accounts, should be a step up and, mm-hmm. and elevate this blue line and make it even better. And they already have a great goalie in Jacob Markstrom. This is a, a rock-solid team. And if everybody likes each other and Huberto can step in and continue his hot play and Kadri can be excellent, he knows how to win now, uh, having been to the promised land with the Colorado Avalanche, like, I think they are better. But uh, the Oilers seem like they're finally getting traction. They're climbing that hill. They're ascending however you want to describe it. And I think there's going to be a great battle. I do think Edmonton should be the favorite, but I think with what Calgary's been able to do, they have someone there pushing them. And unfortunately, we're only going to see these two teams three times in the regular season. Mm -hmm. And all three of those matchups before, I believe, December 27th, which is unfortunate. Uh, Hopefully that just builds up to another great battle of Alberta in the postseason. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, This is the best time of the year. Uh, The baseball picture will start on Friday. When you see and, and look at these matchups, you know, obviously in Canada, we're, we're excited about the Jays, but what, what's a matchup on this board that excites you? Uh, you got the Phillies, the Cards, the Padres, Mets, uh, the Jays in Seattle, and the uh, Guardians in Tampa. I like St. Louis, Philly, and, and I've kind of hitched my wagon to Albert Pujols. Like, uh, the fact that he surpassed 700 home runs was amazing. They've had a, a very strong team in St. Louis. Um, I, I just I, maybe maybe it's a team of destiny, Dino. Just like that's such a great baseball city, having visited a bunch of times. That uh, I think they'll get past the Phillies, and maybe they they ride the wave of a legend, and and he gets to close out his career with a nice run. So I'll be watching that one. And and I've mentioned this a few times, uh, whether it's on TSN 1260 or other shows. I'll say it here. I don't really care what the Blue Jays do. <laughs> I like, I will, I'll watch them because they're always on, right? I mean, it's on every day yeah. and, you know, you keep track of them, but when they lose, I'm just like, well, that's too bad. But uh, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that uh, is raw, raw Jays by any means. So I like for the, I like watching for those neat little stories and, and I love legacies and, and things like that. So that's why I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on the St. Louis Cardinals and see what they can do with Pujols, uh, kind of being the inspiration, if you will. Last time the Jays were in the playoffs, it was wild because this is hockey time, uh, as you know, yep. and, and we were glued, like we talked a lot of Jays. So it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, you know, that was when we were sports night, and, and now it's the, the pregame and postgame show. But I, I don't want to face the Phillies. I, I think I'm a Dodgers fan, and that's the team that scares me. I mean, Wainwright and Molina have, have uh, pitched more times together than anybody else. Pujols, yep. I've said it before, I think he could be a playoff MVP in one of these series. He's so red hot. So... I would love to see as much as people want to see maybe a Dodgers Braves because of the Freeman and the champs. I'd love to see a Dodgers Cardinals matchup, except I'm scared of the Cardinals as a Dodgers fan. Yeah, see, I get it. But the Dodgers, they're perennial favorites. They're always mm-hmm. there. Man, Freddie Freeman landing there. That's a, that's a great get too. But when you have a license to print money, like the Dodgers <laughs> do, it's just like, come on, let someone else in. And I'll say this too, like the Fernando Tatis Jr. thing in San Diego, so disappointing, Dino. Like that, that could have been a great story. And the way that team had been building, and now you look at it, at least I do, and I'm like, well, geez, you know, that kind of spoils it. So 
Uh, we'll see. There's always intrigue in baseball. There's always drama. This is the best time of year. Nobody's playing guilty like they do during the regular season because it, it's so drawn out and long. Um, this is when it's at its best in the fall, and, and I think we're in for some great drama this, uh, this postseason. I am with you. What time are you on the air tonight, Tom? We go at 7. Uh, the Jays didn't, didn't push us uh, off the yeah. airwaves, and they won't on Friday either. It's been pretty light for pre- and post-game in the preseason because of the Jays, Monday Night Football, Dino. But uh, we've got a pregame show at 7 to 8 and uh, no postgame. And then we go uh, full pull on Friday as the Oilers close out the preseason against the Seattle Kraken. All right. Well, have fun with it. I, I'm sure the fandom will be uh, in full force if Dylan Holloway does anything tonight. Thanks as usual, Tom. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Dino. You bet. There's Tom Gazzola. Uh, TSN 1260 pre and post game show, uh, the Don Wheaton uh, pre and post game show for Oil, uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, and of course he's a correspondent with NHL.com and TSN. So that the Dylan Holloway story is getting more and more interesting as the games increase. So does his production, and every team does this. This is not new to just Oiler fans. Every team gets excited about the preseason, a portion of the fan base anyway, and then as the games go on. I'd like to see Dylan Holloway on the first line in Bakersfield, but if he forces his way in, you can't send him down just because that was your plan. Just like you can't promote a guy that you were hoping to promote if he has a bad camp. So let's see. Let's see where Dylan Holloway and, and how he decides what happens. If he forces, I do not think it'll be with McDavid and Hyman, but if he forces his way in, all the better. And then if, he, if it doesn't last, you can send him down. It's not a big deal. Leon Dreisaitl went down and obviously worked out. So if Dylan Holloway starts the season, which he looks like he probably will, that's great. If he gets sent down at some point, don't be too disappointed. Or if he starts the season and gets, or if he starts the season down, don't be too disappointed because he could get called up at some point. All right, uh, we're going to duck out for a quick break. I'm going to grab a drink of water. That was a longer segment uh, than, I'm, than I'm used to. But when we come back, we will have our Dauber Hockey Fantasy Preview. We're looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins today. Another great fantasy season expected out of the Penguins. We'll jump on that when we come back in about uh, one minute's time.
yourselves ready to race at great heights to become the global sim racing champion. Create your crypto livery. Enter with the best designs. Enter to win prizes. Outrace your competition. Winning is all that matters. Watch the other racers in your rear view mirror. Gain massive exposure battling against the biggest names in crypto with a season-long race for the championship. Bring glory to your token. Drive like a champion, win it all. Be first or last. If you're not rubbing, you're not racing. Get behind the wheel and drive for your project. VR1 Racing is something you will want to know about for sure. The Ultimate Crypto Drivers Championship is a crypto-centric professional sim racing league. The primary goal is to provide an effective marketing tool for crypto projects to get noticed and have a lot of fun. VR1 Racing provides a year-long entertaining platform that gives projects ongoing exposure. Full broadcast on Twitch, YouTube, metaverse watch parties design contests and so much more really solid marketing opportunity in this one get more details uffsports.com slash vr1 uh it's going to be fun lots of really big news uh on the way when it comes to that all right, uh, let's uh, dive into some hockey now, uh, continuing with uh, the hockey chatter. And we take a look at our Dauber Hockey Team Preview, and it is the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, you know, previewing the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, over the years has been pretty easy when you're looking at, like, the, the top three and, and things like that because you just basically went, Malkin, Crosby, Latang for so many years. The the or Marc Andre Fleury at one time, Matt Murray, Tristan Jari. Anyway, it was basically those three guys, and you sprinkle in everybody else. It's the top three. I still think Chris Latang is good. Don't get me wrong, but Jake Gensel is. If you're looking at a third guy in Pittsburgh, he's the guy. Gensel, Crosby, Brian Rust, Raquel, Malkin, Zucker. All six of those guys are worth drafting. Obviously, the first, the top, the top uh, Gensel, Crosby, Malkin are going to go higher. And how high do you draft Evgeny Malkin? It has not been a fun couple of years for Gino. He only played. Half the season last year. In fact, he hasn't played a full season since his first two years. Now, he did play 78 games in 17-18. But Gino Malkin has only played 70-plus games four times in his career. You know, over his career, he's averaging 92 points. He's, he's only had three 100-point seasons because he has been injured. 
So how high do you draft Yevgeny Malkin? I hope he has a really great season. And then, uh, you know, maybe he goes back to Russia. But anyway, Sidney Crosby, yeah, I think, I, you know, I, I think Sidney Crosby certainly isn't uh, obviously the, the player he used to be. Um, I don't even know when the last time Crosby had a 100-point season. Probably three or four years ago. But I still think Sidney Crosby is the first guy you draft off of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Again, another guy who's had his own injury concerns as well. But like I said, Jake Gensel has been a goal-scoring machine. 40 goals last year. 40 goals four years ago, and in between with some, stop me if you've heard this before, injury problems, he had 20 goal seasons. Like, he has had 20 goals in every season except his first one, which was only 40 games in 16-17. Gensel's going to score goals. He might be the first guy you want to draft off the Pittsburgh Penguins if goals are a premium in your league. My breakout player is Danton Heinen. And anybody in UFHL that is watching is going to know why I'm going with Danton Heinen. Kind of like why I put John Klingberg in my Norris trophy. Because I'm pushing the karma at these guys. And, yeah, Danton Heinen, as a breakout player, for me, the reason I look at this is this guy scored 18 goals last year. He has been double digits every year except for one in Anaheim. Actually, no, he wasn't. he's had 17 that year. It was a split. He has been a 17-18. I think this is the year because, as you saw, there's going to be injuries in Pittsburgh that Danton Heinen moves up into the top six at times. So... My breakout player is Danton Heinen. I, I think that he's going to get a 20, he's going to have a 20 goal season. Uh, lighter on the assists, but this is a 27 year old free agent. So I, I think it's a good, it's a, now, like I said, you're not taking this guy ahead of Gensel or Crosby or, or any of those guys, but he's a, a candidate for a breakout, in my opinion. And the, the sleeper I'm going with with the Penguins is Jeff Petrie. Jeff Petrie is a very good offensive defenseman. There we go. I don't know why the Oilers ever traded him in the first place. And, you know, the Montreal moving on. But I think Jeff Petrie gets double-digit goals. I think Jeff Petrie is, uh, you know, if Chris Letang and, and, you know, Ty Smith is another offensive guy. I think Jeff Petrie gets power play time before Ty Smith. I, I hope anyway. And I think Jeff Petrie can get you 45 to 50 points. So that's my sleeper. Chris Letang, that's the guy you're looking at to get 60, 65. Jeff Petrie is a guy that can get you 45 to 50, I think, on this Pittsburgh team. So my top three, Crosby, Malkin, uh, Gensel. Danton Heinen is my breakout player, and Jeff Petrie is my sleeper. I also really like Tristan Jari in Pittsburgh. I think Tristan Jari is going to settle in as the number one goaltender in Pittsburgh, and he's going to own that job for a while. Casey DeSmith is the backup. They have Dustin Tokarski. I think Tristan Jari is the guy. 
The other guy to watch is Pierre-Olivier Joseph. I think the Penguins trade him. Young defenseman, kind of like in the Dante Fabro of the Nashville Predators vein, that has been was good and big expectations were had and hasn't developed. And you see this from a lot of guys. Like we talked to Kyle Hall and Capo Caco is one of those candidates to be traded uh, this year for the Rangers. And maybe P.O. Joseph is that guy for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I like their goaltending. Um, I, I, I don't mind that defense. Jeff Carter as a third liner provides some depth, even though he's older. Uh, Kasperi, maybe maybe Jeff Carter and Danton Heinen can get Kasperi Kapanen going or something. But I think Pittsburgh is, again, another team that should be in the mix for a playoff spot, uh, should be able to deliver you seven to eight fantasy players at, at the very least, depending on how deep your league is, and uh, go with it from there. What do you think of the Pittsburgh Penguins fantasy-wise? Love to hear from you. Uh, by the way, this is from Dauber Sports News, uh, at Dauber News on Twitter. Peter Kochtikoff hit the waiver wires Wednesday. The Carolina Hurricanes trying to send him through. And there's a lot of people that are thinking there is no chance this guy gets through the waivers and he should already pack his bags for Arizona. He's a 23-year-old goaltender, left catching. He's got good size, six foot three. He's a Russian goaltender, played in uh, the AHL for Chicago last year, had a goals against average of 209. There's no chance this guy's getting through waivers. What is Carolina thinking? What is Carolina thinking? Child, please. He's not getting through minors. If if nobody claims this guy, then something is going on. You're crazy. I like you. But you're crazy. That's, that's what I'm saying to Don Waddell. What are you doing? That is wild. Wild stuff. Oh. Somebody are saying he's not waiver eligible. All right. So maybe this is actually a wrong and incorrect tweet. Anyway, I guess Don Waddell is, you know, he's awesome. He's awesome. Oh, you're so cool, Brewster. That's what Don Waddell's (laughs) nickname is, Brewster. So it sounds like uh, maybe there was a mistake there, and uh, this goaltender does not need to clear waivers. Okay, well, I, was, I was wondering what the heck Don Waddell was doing there for a second. Uh, okay, let's get into uh, some hockey uh, projections. We had some uh, projections for the top 10 quarterbacks uh, week five. If you missed that, you can catch it on the replay on YouTube. But here are the top-scoring left-wingers from the NHL last year. And just so you know, I am going by NHL.com when it comes to positions. So those are the the guys listed as left wingers on NHL.com. So you have Johnny Gaudreau, obviously led all left wingers in scoring last year. Very impressive season uh, with the Calgary Flames. 
question is, where is Johnny Gaudreau going to be in my projections? 115-point season in Calgary. Thanks to 42 goals and 104 points from Matthew Kachuk in Calgary. Kirill Kaprizov was number two. Three left-wingers had 100 points. None of them had 50 goals last year. Will that change this year? Here are my projected left-wing scoring for this year. And yeah, I'm pretty optimistic. I am definitely optimistic. So I've got two left-wingers scoring 50 this year. Kaprizov right on the nose, and Kyle Connor gets 51. I think Kaprizov is going to lead all left-wingers in scoring, and there will once again be three 100-point guys. I think we are just scratching the surface with this superstar, and he might even be better than that. The bread man returns uh, to the top. 104-point season, uh, adds in the goals and, and piles on the assists. And as I mentioned, Kyle Connor, he's the, he's the number 51 man, uh, 51-51. I think Kevin Fiala's move to uh, L.A. increases his goal-scoring production uh, to the tune of a 36-60 season. And Ovechkin, I don't think he gets 50 again, but he is going to have a better season, 89 points. I think Johnny Gaudreau drops uh, from the number one spot, definitely. Uh, I think Philip Forsberg has an opportunity to add more goals. Uh, Jake Gensel, we just talked about the Pittsburgh Penguins, would be a guy I might draft first in Pittsburgh ahead of Sidney Crosby because of the goal-scoring ability. Uh, I think Kachuk's points are down in Florida. And I think Evander Kane, remember him? I think he joins the top ten. John Gazzola saying he was playing about 65% the other day. He's going to turn it up. You're going to see Evander Kane with McDavid, and I think we get a 40-goal season out of Kane. 41-40, 81 points. So those are my top-scoring projected left-wingers. Feel free to carve me up, Racky. Let me know if you agree, if you disagree. And people that disagreed with me thinking John Klingberg is going to get some Norris trophy, that's okay. My wife disagrees with me like 50 times a day. You know, how, this, you know how cruel this is? My wife, right before I went on the air, put on a pot of chili in a crock pot. Do you know how hard it has been doing this show without eating all of that chili? Like that is, that's torture. That is torture. So what do you think of my projected left-wing scoring, uh, left-wingers uh, scoring in the National Hockey League? Hit me up on Twitter, at Duck Millard, or you can get me uh, in the Twitch message chat, twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports. My projected left-wingers, uh, when it comes to scoring this year, Michael K uh, on the Yes Network, case closed, good line for sure. Here's his counterpart on Yankees radio, John Sterling. Swung on. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. Aaron Judge hits his 62nd. All the Yankees out of the dugout to greet him. Just think of it. Three Yankee right fielders. The Babe hitting 60 and 27. The Jolly Roger 
hitting 61 and 61. And now Aaron Judge hits his 62nd home run, the most home runs any American leaguer has hit in a single season. And the American League has been alive for 120 years. This is Judgment Day. Case closed. That was better. That was definitely better than Michael K's Judgment Day, case closed. Uh, that's really good. Here's uh, Bally Sports and the, the flight of the ball. And that ball is crushed. Deep out to left, and history has landed in Arlington. See, that's the best call for me because he just let the moment live. Let the crowd take it. That was uh, Dave Raymond. And I love the uh, history has landed in Arlington. I thought it was understated. Uh, for me, that was the best call. I thought the other two was, they're too talky. Let the moment live. Learn from Vince Cully. Let the moment have its moment. So that was our, uh, basically, uh, our question of the day rolled into that. Uh, my top three today are your Norris Trophy candidates. And this raised some eyebrows. I'm going with John Klingberg as a candidate. Yossi and Makar are obvious. I think Klingberg's going to have like a 65-70 point season. I think Anaheim's going to surprise. They're going to be really exciting. He's playing for a contract. John Klingberg is going to get nominated for some hardware. I think. Uh, some Major League Baseball news to uh, throw your way before we leave. Uh, the Mariners, tough break. They lose Sam Haggerty to a groin strain. Uh, trying to steal in the ninth inning on Monday night, and he's likely out for the year. He was taken off waivers from the Mets prior to the 2020 season and uh, had a breakout uh, season as the fourth outfielder for Seattle this year. 256, 335, 403 thrash line, and 13 steals and 14 attempts. So he might not have been a, a big bat for them, but he was certainly uh, a pinch hitting uh, potential and, and a speedy outfielder. So that's tough news. Good news for the Blue Jays, though. Uh, you know, the, the Mariners get Julio Rodriguez back, but they won't have uh, speedy Sam Haggerty. The Rays calling Posh out for the year with an oblique strain. Uh, he suffered it in the sixth inning of their rain-shortened loss to the Red Sox uh, last night at Fenway Park. This is what I'm talking about. All these teams want to do is get into the playoffs healthy. And last night, they lose, and he's not going to pitch again this year. And he made 51 appearances for Tampa as a rookie last year. All of 20 and 21 seasons, he lost to Tommy John and then came back this year had a sub-4 ERA and 65 relief appearances. But it was actually 339 before he gave up a grand slam on his final pitch. So they just have two lefties. This is good for Cleveland. Brooks Raley and Garrett Clevenger in their bullpen heading into the final day. Uh, Jalen Beeks, who's on the injured list uh, with lower leg tightness, will be eligible to return for the wildcard series. So that will give them at least one more lefty. The Yankees lose Ron Mernaccio uh, because of a shin series. They won't have him for the division series. The reliever came out of the game on Sunday. 
And uh, yesterday, they found out it was a stress reaction in his right shin. He's on the 15-day IL retroactive to Monday. That means he can't play in the division series, but Aaron Boone says he's hopeful if the Yankees advance to the ALCS, the 26-year-old rookie will be able to come back. 205 ERA and 40 relief appearances for the rookie. Well, just two home runs in 44 innings and striking out 30.9% of the batters he has faced. That's a tough one uh, to replace. Uh, the Rockies and uh, Jose Urena have mutual interest in him returning for 2023. He's pending free agent. Johnny Cueto said he'd like to return to the White Sox after uh, wrapping up his season. Meanwhile, free agent Jose Abreu told reporters that the White Sox have not engaged him or his representative in talks about a new contract yet child please and while he has no intentions to retire he will take his time this offseason to decide about his future and we told you yesterday giovanno gallego's new contract it's an 11 million dollar guarantee that has a 500,000 signing bonus a four and a half million dollar and a five and a half million dollar salary in 23 and 24 Club option for 25 is worth $6.5 million with a $500,000 buyout and escalators based on games finished that could increase the value of the option as much as $10 million. So uh, Mr. Gallegos getting paid. Uh, once again, here are the AL and NL MVP honors. Uh, Aaron Judge uh, leading the way after hitting 62 last night. I doubt that changes. And Paul Goldschmidt uh, should get it in the National League. When it comes to the American League and National League Cy Young winners, as we talked with Jordan Blundell, likely going to be Justin Verlander in the AL and the uh, innings leader, the horse, Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins, likely uh, to win that. And one more graphic before we go. Giving you a quarterback list. Here are the top 10 quarterbacks heading into week five and what their projections are. I would move Jalen Hurts up. I would move Tom Brady down, Joe Burrow down, and Kyler Murray up. But that's just me. Tomorrow, we will chat with Andy McNamara. He will give us all the goods when it comes to fantasy football. Ask Andy. If you want to get your question in now, use that hashtag on social media. We will find you, especially on Twitter. Hashtag Ask Andy. Get your fantasy football questions in now for tomorrow's show. Also, Michael Amato will join us tomorrow. We're going to take a look at some coaching changes and players in new spots and whether or not you think they'll take some time to adjust or just fit right in, fit right in like a new glove. Uh, big thanks to Jordan Blundell, who joined me on the show today from the Edmonton Prospects and a Fantasy Fanatic. Also, Tom Zola of TSN 1260 and NHL.com. Tom will have the pregame show at 7 o'clock on TSN 1260 before the Oilers and the Canucks. And, of course, our thanks, as always, to Dauber Hockey for the Dauber Hockey preview. Today, it was the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Michael Amato of Dauber Hockey will join us tomorrow. Thanks once again uh, to everybody that tuned into the show today. It was a lot of fun. I look forward to chatting hockey as we get closer and closer uh, to the NHL season. Enjoy the last little bit of baseball that you get tonight. No football, preseason hockey, and whatever else it is you get up to. I'm going to go eat a whole bunch of chili that my wife has been torturing me with by cooking it 
all day long today. Well, all, not all day since I got on the show. Thanks so much to everybody for tuning in. Uh, we're back again tomorrow, same time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. Have yourself a wonderful Wednesday night. Thanks, now. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.